Hi, this is Christian Good of Urban Village Church in Chicago. It's great to be with you again, friends. I was off, as I noted, uh, one Sunday, and so I'm back uh, this week as we celebrate Easter. And so I hope that you are in an Easter frame of mind celebrating resurrection wherever you are. So we're going to read today the common scripture that we read on Easter Sunday. It comes from the Gospel of John, verses 1 through 18. Hear these words. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linens wrapping lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had said these things. And she told them that he had said these things to her. May God's blessing be on the hearing and living out of this word. So as I noted just a couple of minutes ago, this is going to be a sermon that is given on Easter Sunday, which means, of course, that it's a perfect time to talk about manger scenes. Yes, I do know the difference between the big two Christian holidays, but hear me out on this. I want to talk today about stealing Jesus, and you can't talk about stealing Jesus without talking about what appears to be an epidemic of Jesus stealing in this country around Christmas, specifically an epidemic of baby Jesus stealing. You may have seen various articles about this. All you have to do is type in stealing baby Jesus into your favorite search engine, and there will be plenty of crime scene articles. Here's one. The headline was, Baby Jesus Stolen from Washington State Capitol. Apparently, someone absconded a baby Jesus from a manger scene at the Washington's state capitol in Olympia, Washington. And a Washington State Patrol spokesman said this, We don't want people's stereos stolen out of their cars when they visit the capitol. We don't want women's purses stolen. And we don't want a baby Jesus stolen out of a manger scene. Indeed. One organization was so fed up that they installed a GPS tracking device on the baby Jesus. There was a baby Jesus doll that had been stolen from the Indiana Masonic Homes nativity scene in Franklin, Indiana. 
The doll was returned a few days later, and then the retirement community decided to equip the figurine with a tracking device. And in response to all of this, one resident of the home had these very wise words to say. Her name was Marion Crum, is Marion Crum. She said, if you want Jesus in your life, you don't have to steal him. So more wise words from a woman about having Jesus in your life. You know, today I know there are some, maybe many, who wonder if maybe Jesus has been stolen or if Jesus has gone missing, the real Jesus, not just a figurine doll. We read about terrorist attacks, hear about climate change, watch news about shootings in our city, a seeming loss of any sense of propriety from our national leaders. Or we may wonder if there is a particular brand of Christianity that has stolen Jesus and made him into something that doesn't seem to correlate with the Jesus we read in the Gospels. A side note, we're going to be taking a look at this with a one book, one church um, experience and opportunity. We're reading the book called Rescuing Jesus, and so I'll be saying more about that in future weeks. We'll be doing that over the summer. So if these things have crossed your mind, you may feel a tinge of guilt for thinking that on today, on Easter of all days, wondering, well, I'm not sure Jesus is around or Jesus seems to be missing. But it's Easter, after all. Shouldn't I be feeling something? I mean, the resurrected Christ should be evident in our hearts and minds and world. We can sing hallelujah and proclaim that Christ is risen, but still it may linger in our minds. Has Jesus gone missing? If you do think that, or if you've ever thought that, you're in good company. Because that was one of the first questions that was asked on that morning, two days after Jesus had been crucified. The only person, according to the Gospel of John, who approaches the tomb that morning is a woman named Mary. Mary makes her first appearance in the Gospel of John just before we read about her today, near the end of chapter 19. She's there at the cross of Jesus as he is there hanging. She's there along with two other women waiting, going through what is no doubt excruciating pain of seeing this man they loved slowly die. After Jesus has died, Mary returns to the tomb now by herself, and she notices something. Jesus is missing. She most likely assumes that Jesus has been stolen, that grave robbers have taken the body. And she doesn't go, hmm, well, that's interesting. Let me go tell the others in her grief she has, which has to be embodied somehow, she runs to tell others. It's interesting to note that in ancient Palestine, it was regarded as unbecoming, a loss of dignity for a grown man to run. So I think we can assume that's certainly the case for a woman. And she goes and tells the others, the ones who have followed Jesus too, and she says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Jesus is literally missing. Again, running, the disciples go back to see for themselves. We don't really know. The text tells us that Simon Peter is looking around, seems to be doing some kind of CSI work. He sees the linen wrappings there and looks around and probably pondering what's going on. And the other one there, this unnamed disciple, begins to possibly grasp something. He believes, but he doesn't quite understand, which I think is a great summary of faith for so many of us. Mary probably doesn't know what to believe. We do not know if these two disciples and Mary talk, share theories, but Mary, understandably, again when she's alone, begins to weep. But she's not really alone. She doesn't appear to recognize the angels in her midst. And then 
even when Mary finds Jesus, when Jesus appears there, she doesn't realize it. Sometimes it happens to us. Maybe you've been at a reunion at some point or you're around people and you've met somebody before and you try to remember their name and you're reaching in your head to try to figure out who this person is. And you might say, hey, how are you? And you're not using the name because in your head you're trying so hard to figure out who is this person who looks so familiar, but I don't quite know who they are. As I often say in my sermons sharing about my own upbringing, I grew up in Iowa and the very one of the first times uh, when I first moved to the Chicago area, I thought it was kind of odd that people would a few times say to me, oh, you're from Iowa. Then they would say, do you know this person? As if to say, does everybody in Iowa know everyone? Surely they must. And thinking that it's a state of 20 people or so. So that happened a few times, which was kind of mildly annoying. And then I went to this party, uh, and somebody said, oh, you're from Iowa. You should make this guy Dave, who's here. And again, I thought, you might know him. And I thought, I mean, really, the state's got two million people. I, I don't know everybody from the state in Iowa. And then when I saw who it was from across the room, and he called out my name, he said, Chris Kuhn. And as soon as I heard his voice, memories just started flooding back. It was a guy named Dave Schaefer, who I knew as a boy. He was a few years older than I was. My dad coached members of his family. He had this really distinct voice. And as soon as he said my name, it all kind of fell into place. Like, I now know who this is. And it just kind of shoots to hell the theory that Iowans you know, don't know other Iowans, because clearly, apparently, we do. Sometimes when we, this happens to us, and you see someone, and you think you recognize them, and you're not quite sure, and we may wonder from Mary, like, how is it that she's standing there, and she sees Jesus there, and she doesn't recognize who it is until he says her name. You know, it can be frustrating sometimes to not find Jesus because we may think we're looking for him and we're expecting a certain kind of place or a certain kind of person or a certain kind of feeling. And we want it to be obvious. Mary certainly probably wanted it to be obvious, to be so clear. And so I don't think we can certainly question Mary or doubt why she couldn't see him because I think sometimes in our own lives Jesus may be right there in front of us and we don't recognize it and we don't see who he is or what he is doing. We want it to be obvious and we may have in our own minds, well, I find Jesus and we think we only see Jesus and we put him in a box and we think, well, I only see Jesus in these particular areas and only in these particular areas. You may say, well, I see Jesus in, in worship on Sunday mornings. And really, that's about the only time probably that I'm going to notice the presence of Christ. Or you may say, I really see and sense the presence of Jesus when I'm out in nature, when I go over to Lake Michigan, or I'm out in a wooded area, or I go to the mountains, or you may say, you know, I really sense the presence of Jesus when I do justice work, and when I'm out on the streets fighting for systemic change, or when I serve the poor, 
Or you may say, you know, I really sense the presence of Christ in scriptures. It's in scriptures that I, that I see Jesus. And all of these things are true. All of these are wonderful places to find Christ. But the problem is when we think that's the only place that we are going to see Jesus. And we get in our heads so that we only can conceive of a really narrow place. And this is how we are going to experience who Christ is. I think Mary perhaps was trying to imagine, this is how I am going to experience Christ. She had no way of anticipating that resurrection would be there in her midst. Maybe you are listening today and you also have no idea where Jesus might be. You have no preconceived notions at all. And in many ways, you may be at an advantage because you don't have these notions. You're able to look with new eyes because resurrection happens in unexpected ways and in unexpected places. We cannot hold on to Jesus and force him to be or to show up in certain times and in certain places just the way we want it. Jesus is stronger than that. Jesus is stronger than death, after all. Maybe that's what he meant when he told Mary not to hold on to him. We cannot hold on to Jesus and expect him to be exactly what we want him to be, because resurrection is bigger than predictability. Resurrection is bigger then the same old, same old. Resurrection is bigger than the small box we put Jesus in. Resurrection is bigger than our conception of what resurrection is. Quite a few years ago, I went to write a story for this organization I was working for. And I was going to be going to the Los Angeles area to do this interview. And it just so happened that the night before I was to fly out, the Rodney King verdict happened. You may remember this. And there were riots in Los Angeles at the time. I was flying into Orange County, so I wasn't really going to be there in the midst of it. But a couple of days in my time in Orange County, I knew that I was going to actually be in kind of the area where some of the worst rioting was going to take place. The organization I was doing the article for actually was the fraternity I was in. And so I thought about going there Uh, But before I do that, I also had in mind when I was going to be in Southern California, I was going to be staying with a friend of mine, a guy that I used to room with. And so I was looking forward to seeing him. So I was out in Orange County and he lived, he was, uh, I visited him when he was staying with his parents and his parents had this really great house and it was warm and they had a pool and I thought, this is great. And my friend also wanted to go with me to, I wanted to go see the Crystal Cathedral. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Crystal Cathedral before, but it was built many years ago, really kind of on the ministry of a man named Robert Schuler. You may have heard of him. He was particularly big in the 1970s and had this um, ministry in Southern California. It was on television and is on probably, he sold lots of books and they built this enormous structure You can just tell by the name of it, the Crystal Cathedral. And on TV, it looks like this amazing structure. As you see him on TV, it's like an open-ended wall behind him. There are birds flying out. It seems like whenever they had a, a service on television, the sun was always shining. And so I couldn't wait to see the Crystal Cathedral. And so we went, and we went there, and we sat down. And I noticed then that all these TV cameras were around which makes sense because that's what they do, right? They televise the service along with everything else there. 
uh, there was something missing. I expected to experience something, some sense of the holy in the crystal cathedral, but it just wasn't doing it for me. And then a few days later, that's when I decided to go into the heart of Los Angeles where some of these riots had taken place. And I drove down there and I took some pictures of the fraternity chapter that I had gone to do some interviews with. And as I was driving around and it was so quiet, it was so quiet. And so I pulled up alongside this one burnt out storefront. And as I'm there, this car pulls up these two undergrads who went to University of Southern California, which is right around in this area. And they pulled out in this bright red sports car and they were kind of laughing and they took a picture and they drove on. And as they did so, something was kind of stirring within me. And I looked around at these burned out storefronts and I noticed that in front of one of these storefronts, there was a sign that they had painted. It spray painted these words on this sign. It looked like the total store had been destroyed. And yet on this sign, it wrote, we will be back. The people who own this store was telling the world, we will be back. We will reopen. And in that moment, I knew this is resurrection. This is where I'm sensing the presence of Christ. It wasn't in the Crystal Cathedral. I'm not saying that one couldn't experience Christ in the Christ Cathedral, but that's where I thought I would have it. And instead, it was standing in front of this burnout storefront where there were riots. And this is where resurrection happened for me. And when I sensed, this is where Christ is. Resurrection is so much bigger than we can ever think or imagine. And if you think about, well, I might experience Christ here or there, and they may be tried and true places for you, and that's great. But what I would say is let resurrection begin to stretch who Jesus is for you and where the presence of Christ might show up. That's what resurrection can do. Resurrection stretches our preconceived notions so that it is wider than we ever thought possible so that we can look all around us each and every day and say, it's not just going to be in the scriptures. It's not just going to be when I work for justice. It's not just going to be in worship. The resurrected Christ will show up in all kinds of different places and we must be open to when that does. I know there are times when it seems like Jesus is missing or that Jesus has been hijacked or Jesus has been stolen. And in those moments, that's when we need to pay particular attention to where the resurrected Christ may show up. In the moments where we least expect it and in the moments where we think not possible, that's when Jesus shows up. When Jesus says our names and we begin to understand and fully realize what resurrection can have with the power of resurrection can have in our lives. May we stay open to those possibilities as we listen to all that is around us, as we look for the many ways that Christ may come into our lives. Christ is risen, friends. Let us be open to where that might happen. Amen. Thought, but 
friends, thank you for listening, as always, to this podcast. I'm grateful for those of you who reach out, and you can continue to do that on Twitter. I'm at Christian Kuhn, and email I'm chris at urbanvillagechurch.org. I'm always happy to connect with you in those ways. We'll be starting a new sermon series next week called FaceTime, where we will begin exploring what does it mean to build friendships in Christ, particularly for those who might feel uh, alone, who may feel like uh, there's no one else around. So I'm looking forward to sharing some of those thoughts with you. But until next week, friends, happy Easter, and may the presence of the risen Christ be yours. Amen. Great God.